Freddie Freeman owners. It's been a rough 24 hours for you. We're going to cheer you up. We'll give you some first base options, although we, we already did that yesterday. But we'll do it again for you. And Jose Barrios owners, you should be, like, doing the wave right now. You should be so excited. Uh, how great was that? I, I asked you off the air. I'm going to ask you on the air. Rank these three, Scott and Heath. Danny Salazar, Matt Harvey, Jose Barrios, go. I will say Salazar, Barrios, and then Harvey. And we did get some questions, I think mostly Chris and I last night on Twitter, saying you were making fun of Scott for saying results don't matter with Harvey. When do results matter with Salazar? I, I guess the, the main difference for me is that Salazar still has the elite K numbers, and we've seen him have stretches so i i keep moving salazar down but i'm still more encouraged by him than harvey so salazar barrios harvey i actually have them in the same order and for all my optimism about harvey the the, the more difficult the call between those three pitchers was could i justify moving barrios ahead of salazar at this point i'm not ready to but we're still probably he's, he's Probably still in my top 40 already just because there's yeah. so much, um, you know, ver- uh, elasticity within that group that he, he quickly emerges as one of the more trustworthy options. I, I think I'm going to settle on moving him to 38 and I could see like one more good start and I could see Barrios in my top 30. So 38th for you would be just ahead of Madison Bumgarner and Noah Syndergaard. And behind Velasquez, Nola, Robbie Ray. I, man, I don't, it's tough. You don't want to overreact right now with Brios, who's 83% owned. Yeah. But, but you don't want to underreact. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like he's gone seven and two thirds innings in both of his starts, which in, in and of itself, before you even get to the fact that it was two hits each time and 11 strikeouts in this most recent one. I mean, seven and two thirds innings and back to back starts. How many pitchers have done that this year? Just that. Um, so it like, somebody asked me, you know, when the, in the, when the internet was abuzz with Barrios fandom last night, it's now a good time to sell high on Barrios. And I was like, I don't know that I'd feel confident that I'm actually selling high as, as hard as it's been to find a reliable pitchers. I, I feel like, I feel like a, a high end starting pitcher is the most valuable of commodities right now. And he could be that. Okay, what what is the difference though between Barrios and like an Amir Garrett? Okay, who had that brilliant start against Baltimore and was pitching well, but you guys didn't like the peripherals, I know that, and he didn't pitch well yesterday. But I I mean, look, I was fairly excited about Amir Garrett uh a month ago, and not as excited as I am about Barrios. And the Rockies strike out a lot. I think they have the fifth most strikeouts in baseball or something, and he struck out 11 of them yesterday. But but why should you know, if you're not if you're afraid of, of selling right now because it might not be selling high. What's the difference between Barrios and, and another pitcher we've gotten excited about earlier this year? Well, part of it's just pedigree. Like Garrett is a prospect or was a prospect, but he was not. He never reached the levels that Jose Barrios did. Mm-hmm. At, the, uh, at the time Barrios got called up last year, he was arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball, and he kind of, you know, backslid from there because the performance was so bad. But yeah, and Garrett, other than that one good start. The strikeouts really haven't been there, and we've really never seen the strikeouts from Garrett. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say never, but we largely haven't seen the strikeouts from Garrett in the minor leagues. Barrios has still, any time they send him back to the minors, looked like one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Yeah. So it was just, for, I feel like, and I talked about the mental part after his first start, I feel like at least part of it was mental, and his confidence is just going to continue to grow. I think that's a lot of what he needed. Oh, like, I, I heard it. Like last year, he was nibbling too much. I heard a great explanation actually on the broadcast yesterday, and I've, I've watched both of Brios' starts. Not all of it, but enough. And anybody who's seen him pitch, I'm not breaking any news here. He's got really good stuff. He he throws hard. He gets a lot of swings and misses. His curveball's really good. And movement on his pitches. Yeah, yeah I think the one absurd. The one issue with the movement on his pitches is his curveball moves a lot more to the side than it does down. And that looks really cool, but it's not near as deceiving to batters. Well, but that's that's what Ian Desmond was actually talking about that yesterday, and he said Jose Barrios looked a lot like Jose Fernandez in that he said something about, like, he's got this great curveball that he could sort of make into a slider as well. 
because of the movement on it. But I just wanted to mention one thing about Barrios that the broadcast had brought up, uh, and I think Twins fans are aware of this. He started using a Major League Baseball when he was down in the minors during his side sessions. And I guess he had a lot of trouble adjusting to the Major League Baseball, which has higher seams than the Minor League Baseball. And yeah. Barrio said this really helped him a lot now with the adjustment of using – now, he obviously, he was pitching in Minor League games with the Minor League ball, but his side stuff, using the Major League Baseball, for him, made a very big difference. That's that's very interesting. I, I will correct myself. I think Barrios is going to be 36th because I'm also dropping Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran behind him. Oh, see, that's interesting. Like like giving up Barrios for Tehran, you know, who's got a I nice. I would not trade Barrios for Tehran today. Yeah, Scott. No, no, I definitely need to move Tehran down. Though it, I mean, it, look, it it might not really matter because obviously he's going to make about half his starts there, but. All eight of the home runs he's allowed have been at home. Yeah. yeah. Did you read any of the quotes? I mean, they it just seems like a bad fit for him. They seem very unconcerned. They're just like, this is weird with Julio Tehran. You know, he and his manager, like, he felt he felt good. He just doesn't understand why he's not getting the results. But well, he doesn't I mean, have the peripherally. He doesn't have the command right now, right? Yeah, he hasn't or control. I mean, the walks are high too. Like the walks would be enough of a red flag on their own before the the venue change, but. I'd always felt this way about Julio Tehran, that looking at his peripherals, the home run rate and everything, like it was surprising he was as successful as he was at a neutral park like Turner Field. So you take him from a neutral park, put him in a hitter-friendly park, uh, it's going to lead to trouble. Like It didn't bother me. It, It seemed weird that he was successful as he was at Turner Field, but it had gone on long enough that I was to a point that I'm just not going to worry about it. But now I think it's time to worry about it. Correction, he's now 35th. I just moved Tanner Roark behind him. <laughs> yeah, these are all the guys that are on the Warriometer. Not even having to do anything <laughs> about that. All right, Barrios, great start for him. We'll talk more about uh, yesterday's standouts. We'll get your lineup set for week eight as we look at the two start pitchers. Uh, let's do Freddie Freeman replacements now. We're also going to do the Warriometer for Trey Turner. We kind of just did it for Julio Tehran, Dylan Bundy, and Tanner Roark, but we'll – We'll talk about those guys a little bit more, update you on some lineups. Prospects. We'll talk about prospects today. Read some emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. So, look, every single day it's like we can talk about first basemen that are homering. Justin Bohr and Tommy Joseph again yesterday. Justin Smoke. Yesterday I asked you about Smoke, Logan Morrison, Justin Bohr, and Tommy Joseph. Scott, you said your two favorites were Smoke and Joseph, right? Yes. Uh, one you didn't mention was Josh Bell. He would be second on that list behind Smoke for me. And Heath, how do you feel about that group? Yeah, I think I'd probably go with Joseph and Bell, just because I'm an ageist and Smoke has failed for so much longer than the other two. But Bohr, we didn't talk about Bohr much yesterday. Um, I, I was looking at him a little more after last night's performance where I guess he homered again yesterday's performance. He is, the, first of all, the K rate isn't bad for a power hitter. It's like 20%. Walk rate's good. The left-handed, the stats against left-handers this year, because he was always a platoon player before this year, it's it's pretty close to an even split. So it's not like lefties have killed him yet. And he has the 10th best hard hit rate according to fan graphs, up there with guys like Aaron Judge and Eric Thames. Um, this is Justin Bohr we're talking about. Yeah, Justin Bohr. A lot of, he's up there with a lot of elite power hitters and hard hit rate. Miguel Sano's number one, of course, and, and Bohr's down there at 10. But most of those guys don't strike out a lot. They, they do strike out a lot more than Bohr does. So he's hitting the ball hard and making contact with it more than some of the elite power hitters in the game. And I don't know where exactly to slot him in with that group. I, I'm maybe third for me uh, ahead of Joseph still, but like there are a lot of options that none, none of them are going to perform like Freddie Freeman, but there are useful options highly available at first base. Well, and I think like most, maybe not most, but I would guess half of Freddie Freeman owners probably have someone in their outfield that's first base eligible. Just with all of the dual eligibility. Ian Des- Desmond got it recently, so he's mm. first base eligible now. And so I think there's a good chance you can replace him with an outfielder as well and just move somebody to first base like Bellinger, like 
maybe it's Travis Shaw, maybe it's Jay Bruce, maybe it's Ian Desmond. There's a lot of those guys right now. Eric yeah. Thames. If you're going to lose someone, a first baseman's not a bad one to lose. Now, losing you know one of the best hitters in baseball for at least 10 weeks, that is a tough break. So let me ask you this about Freddie Freeman. Do you? It's a wrist injury. It's a broken wrist. Wrist injuries can can really hamper people. I don't know if it's that's more of like a ligament issue rather than a bone. But do you think he's going to come back and be great, or are you concerned? Because I know some people are going to say, "Hey, should I buy low and just stash Freddie Freeman?" It's a long, long time to wait. But to each his own. Uh, are you concerned about the performance when Freeman comes back? My expectations for the remainder of 2017, once he's healthy, will be lower than they were. I think he'll be fine by next year. But I, my expectations for the rest of this year are lower than they were before he got hurt. Yes. Okay. It's not, I, I mean, and, and that's, that's fair to expect less, but we've seen people. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, we've seen people come back from similar injuries and they're just exactly the same. So, you know. It's not a, it's not like a hundred percent guarantee thing. Okay. Ten weeks. I mean, we're going into week eight. So a lot of people's, oh, did you tell Jamie to play a, like a practical joke on me yesterday, Heath? I did not, but <laughs> I, I also will not confirm or deny whether I was getting a live play by play of the, uh, trade negotiations. Yeah. Jamie's like, let's make a buy low offer for, for uh Freddie Freeman and I, in that particular league where we share the team the playoffs start i think around week 18 it's they end early right and i said i think like he's going to come back the playoffs may already be underway and he's like let's give up Paul Goldschmidt and Sonny Gray for Freddie Freeman and like two decent pitchers and i'm like are what you out of what one of them was Arietta. Oh, what is Arietta? Okay. But either way, I was like, are you out of your mind? We're giving up Paul Goldschmidt in this deal? And he's like, Heath is cracking up right now. I guess you guys yeah, were talking. Yeah, I was enjoying it. Okay, good. So uh, I said no to that trade. But all right, there you go. That's your Freddie Freeman update. Those are some first basemen you can use. Uh, buy low first baseman. If anybody wants to buy low on a first baseman, what would you uh, recommend? Anybody come to mind? There are a lot of buy low options at the position too. Miguel Cabrera, Edwin Encarnacion, even, even Anthony Rizzo. Uh, that that might be the hardest one to get. I think Edwin Encarnacion's and Miguel Cabrera's age, uh, and, and, you know, yeah. the fact that Miguel's a little dinged up right now, uh, they're very good by low candidates. You, you missed your by low opportunity on Chris Davis, unfortunately. Uh, you'll, you'll have another one in a month. You might. That, that's very possible. <laughs> uh, is Carlos Santana still a by low? Heath and I broke. I think he would be in a points league. Because he's, for being, for not hitting well, he's actually been pretty productive. Right. Yeah, Heath and I broke that down. He's not so good in April and May, consistently. And then Santana always seems to finish strong. I love the Encarnacion idea. I think that's the guy that, that you gotta try to go after if you're the Freeman owner right now. Or really, I, anybody. I would be more interested in, in doing that with him than I would Cabrera, I think. Just because, I, Cabrera's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I got the oblique thing going on. I don't, I don't know that he's been healthy all year. All right, well, there's some uh, first base options for you. Let's let's move on. We got a lot to talk about from yesterday before we get to the week eight stuff. And oh gosh, I got to tell you about Wednesday night. Wednesday night, I actually had to wear a generic off the rack suit to my fiance's grad school graduation. Uh, the Indochino suit was at the cleaners, so I had to go to a backup, and I did not like it at all. Now I'm thinking. It's time to get another custom Indochino suit because, you know, that's just so much better. I can't express how much better I feel when I'm wearing my Indochino suit. And if you get one, you're going to feel better. You're going to look better. And these types of suits where you can customize the entire thing, it's going to fit you perfectly. They can cost 800 bucks, maybe more. But with our promo code FBT, FBT on Indochino.com, you can get 50% off your suit and free shipping. The promo code is FBT. So look, you choose from hundreds of top quality fabrics, personalize your suit just the way you want it, whether it's for work, a wedding, any other special occasion. Our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at Indochino.com when you enter FBT at checkout. So that's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Shipping's free. Indochino.com, promo code FBT for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. And they've got some stores as well around the country if you want to check those out. 
So Barrios is the number one standout. I'm going to give one more, and then you guys can have the floor. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray with his best start of the year with 16 swinging strikes. He recorded 23 swinging strikes over his first three starts and 16 last night against the Red Sox. Six innings, three runs, two runs in the first inning, only four hits, eight Ks. Very good stuff. He said he used his changeup more um, than than he had in the past. And, uh, yeah, so Sonny Gray is 79% owned, and I think the, clearly the most encouraging start so far for Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I mean, the fact that he had a 450 ERA, you might gloss over it, but the 16 swinging strikes – I think is the biggest deal from this performance, just a level of deception that we haven't seen from him in quite a long time. I'm looking at last year's game log. The most swinging strikes he had in any start last year was 11. Wow. So it's uh, that that shows you. Well, he's never been a huge swinging strike guy. Sure, but he's obviously been more deceptive than he was last year when he was getting crushed. And the, it's not like the stuff ever went away. So it's, I'm still trying to get to uh, trying to figure out what exactly went wrong for Gray last year, but there are already encouraging signs this year. Uh, he's going to be approaching my top 60 starting pitchers. Okay, yeah. So 79% owned, and looking at the schedule, it seems like Gray is lined up to face the Marlins at home next week, which would be a must start, right? Yep. Well, maybe is must start a little too strong? Uh, well, it's a little strong. Yeah, I think I overreacted. He's less than must start in any one start week right now, but in you the, could certainly think about starting him with that matchup. Maybe for you guys that invested a lot in starting pitching, that's true. <laughs> but for, for my teams, that's a must start. And uh, if he gets bumped in any for any reason and pitches on the sixth day, it would be at the Yankees, which would be a must sit, I would imagine, for Sonny Gray, right? Um, it must, uh, a little must, strong, too. Got, what, there's no way I'd start him at the Yankees. He's a ground ball pitcher. But, like, you hit a ground ball to, toward first base, it ends up going over the wall at Yankee Stadium, you know? <laughs> uh, alright, well, you, uh, you do what you want out there. Any other, any other standouts for you fellas? Uh, I think, uh, Danny Duffy. The, uh, the stuff was back last night against the Yankees. The strikeouts were there. Duff stuff is tough, right? Yep, it's exactly right. Thank you, Rex. And, like, I, I hadn't moved Duffy down too much anyway, but any concerns that I had looked like velocity was back up just a little bit as well. Very, very encouraging. This is risky to say Good. with um, Jason Hayward on the verge of returning from the DL, so we're about to get some clarity one way or the other, but starting to think Ian Happ's going to stick around. Yeah! Starting to think he is. They keep <laughs> adding him cleanup, and he keeps... Producing. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, and I, I saw, uh, there was an article on the Cubs official website about Javier Baez. He hit a grand slam yesterday, whatever. And <laughs> in it, they talked about how, uh, they asked him about the, the prospect of him getting traded now that he inhabits up for some pitching help because apparently there's some buzz about that. And you know, he gave a typical, baseball player answer when asked about the possibility of being traded but just the fact that that's like it's it's circulating to the point that it's getting back to the player is um is interesting ian kennedy for javier Baez. let's do it <laughs> the uh, the best thing that the that hat might have going for him i know it's early but the cubs they're not in first place they're not killing people they're not dominating they need a, they need a win i'm not saying that the outlook long term is bad or anything, but they gotta they gotta get things together here, and he's hitting, you know. So get him in the lineup. Uh, I, and, I thought about Javier Baez for Julio Tehran, so I was doing <laughs> I was doing the same sort of exercise there. I Jordan think I Montgomery for Javier Baez. I'll get it on the fun too. Why not? No pass, hard pass. Pineda. No. Um. So the lineup yesterday for the Cubs. Had, uh, Zobris leading off and in right field. Schwarber sat yesterday against a lefty. Might have just been a day of rest. Uh, Zobris led off. Uh, Bryant was back at third base. Hat batted clean up and played left field and he doubled. He went two for four with a walk and a strikeout and a double. You had Russell at short. You had Baez at second. You had Albert Almora in center field. So, you know, as Scott has said, that could easily be Hayward in center field. And then, you know, you get Schwarber back in the lineup. 
let's just yeah, let's get bias or let's get Addison Russell out of there. Let's get bias to short. Get Addison Russell out of there. You know, to play devil's advocate here, an outfield of Kyle Schwarber and left, Jason Hayward in center, Ian Happ in right doesn't sound great. Defensively, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really interesting because he's outfield eligible now. Yes, has not played a game at what would be considered his natural position, second base, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, that's Hap. I, I mean, as deep as outfield is, the two leagues where I own Hap, I can't get him in my lineup because I have a great second baseman. So I'm, I'm thankful he's eligible at outfield now, as I'm sure many of his owners are. So, uh, Danny Duffy, by the way, he did strike out 10. He struck out five of the first six batters he faced. I don't know how much you watched. It must have been a very exciting night for you. They, they finally got a win. Um, did lose velocity as the game went on, but it was still like he started out 95, was pitching like 92 in the sixth, seventh inning. He, he was, he looked outstanding and two horrible starts for Duffy against the White Sox. Everything else has been really good, but uh, we should probably talk about Dylan Bundy. And guys like that, and we'll get to them in a second. Uh, yeah, no, let's do it now. Let's do the worryometer, okay? We're usually worryometer is a Wednesday thing, but it's Friday, and I'm trying to upset people as they go into their weekend. So, that worry- sounds like yeah. something you'd do. Yeah, worryometer Friday. Can we can we calibrate the scale? Ten is I'm benching them for next week. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Okay. No, uh, no. I don't know that, that no? works. No, let's I think just, 10 needs to be worse than that. 10 is, let's forget about starting sitting benching right now. And let's just say, generally speaking, how worried are you about this player? Okay? Cause I think that's alright. I hate it. I think it's alright too. I want calibration. No, because in this case, they're all must own. So, nobody's dropping these guys. Except maybe Roark, but that- I said 10 should be benching them. But so I don't want to just know about that. I want to know more long term. Okay. okay. Yeah, not, I, think, not week I think I might give a lot of tens if we made ten. Okay. <laughs> Let's just do it. Trey Turner, away from Coors Field, is batting 188 this year with two home runs, five doubles, seven RBIs in 26 games. Trey Turner, worryometer. Yuck. Uh, worryometer for me is about a six. I have some concern here. The strikeout rate is up significantly from last year. And, uh, you know, obviously he's not, I don't think he's hitting the line drives at the same rate. I should probably look that up before I just say it, but mainly the strikeout rate and the fact that we're this deep into the season and he hasn't really gotten hot yet. He just basically had a good series at Coors Field. I do think, um, well, you know what? That actually doesn't apply either. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned, not to the point that I'm benching him or, you know, thinking about mailing it in on him, selling low on him, anything like that. It's just a little bit of concern. I'll say eight just because he was drafted in the second round in a majority of leagues. And I've gotten to the point to where I, I it's going to be extremely difficult for him to deliver on that type of value. Okay, so his line drive rate is way down, but his BABIP is only 289, even though he's hitting more balls to the opposite field. So he still profiles as a high BABIP guy, and he has a below-average BABIP right now. So just from that strict perspective, and look, he's hitting 236. I, I think it go, probably goes without saying he's going to. But if he hits 270, Trey Turner's bust. Um, yeah, let me, okay, so <laughs> obviously yeah. we're concerned about Turner. I think we're lowering our expectations. It's It's like, I think in this case, unless you think he's going to get sent down, you could be both worried and lowering your expectations about Turner and also looking to buy low, which I kind of am. Like, I don't think he's going to have a great year necessarily, but I I feel like if I could get him cheap just because of the steals. He's still got some steals, and I'm hurting in steals. Yeah. So I mean, he'd be a tough player for his owner to give up because, A, his owner expected him to carry him in steals, and, B, he's shortstop eligible. So... It, but it's worth a try, sure. I'd, Would I'd you give up I'd Eric know. Thames for Trey Turner? Ooh, no, I don't think I would. That's what I need. I might. Because I think you might get somebody to take that deal. Yeah. I think I would give up Aaron Judge for Trey Turner. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. You I, would? Okay. I still have Turner in my top ten outfielders. I mean. Yeah, I, wow. I've dropped him. He's not in my top five second baseman or shortstop anymore. I uh, mean, like, I, I do believe... Not in every case, but I do believe in the sophomore slump. And I think, like, you look at Michael Conforto, you look at Miguel Sano, like, they're great recent examples. And, and we could go back in time. There are many of them. 
and maybe this is the sophomore slump for, for Turner, and he's going to bounce back and have a great year next year, but I don't want to be sitting there like, yeah, I'd, I'd give up. I just said I'd give up Judge, and I would, but I think it's important to at least give the other perspective that you make a buy-low offer for Trey Turner, and he just has a, a stinky year. And I want to hear an Azer offer for Trey I Turner. Just, I, I'm a believer in Aaron Judge in like, a, you know, just kind of in a vacuum, a broad sense, but I have a hard time believing Trey Turner will be if you give up Aaron Judge for Trey Turner, and let's say Judge hits 40 home runs this year, I still think you're going to be satisfied with Turner. I don't think, like, the ceiling is so much higher because of all the di- different things he does, and I think the floor is pretty high, too. Okay. All right, let's move on to our next guy. Uh, an Azer offer for Trey Turner, by the way, would be like Brett Gardner for Trey Turner. That, yeah, that would, that would be an Azer offer. <laughs> yeah, I might <laughs> drive to where you were and punch you in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julio Teran, zero to ten. Julio Teran, well, on the worryometer. He's not. Nothing's going well. Like there's not anything you can point to and say, well, at least he's doing this. Well, he's got a point seven one ERA and four road starts. Okay, there you go. Maybe they can just work it to where he always pitches on the road. I mean, he's a, the Braves aren't playing at Coors Field now. It's not <laughs> like. Like, it's not like this is some bandbox of a ballpark. It's pretty small. It's, In, anytime it's you're no three, you're 370 something it's, in a gap, but that's, that's a pretty small park. Especially, uh, in right field there. I, I, I do think it's one of the top ten, I, I don't know exactly where it ranks, but I, I would guess it's in the upper third of the league in terms of being hitter friendly. Instead of giving me a number on the worryometer, how many more bad starts before you consider dropping Tehran in a 12 team league? Five. Um, maybe like three. I'm, I'm going, I was going to say nine, but I don't know. Maybe it sounds like I'm more worried than he. Nine on the worryometer, you mean? Like maybe? if, if, when I say bet, you just said, okay, the way you phrased the question was how many more bad starts. I'm assuming you mean consecutively. Yeah. If there's a couple of great starts mixed in there, obviously that buys him a longer leash. Right. If his next three starts are bad, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about dropping. Him. You're gonna start Julio Tehran in his next road start. Where is it? Depends on the matchup. Can you look it up? I could. Yeah, why don't you do that? We'll move on to our next guy, or I can look it up for you. Uh, Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy finally had a bad start, you know, but like the peripherals have always been a little scary. He's not striking guys out. Last start was a great start at Kansas City, but last night, six runs and in six innings, three strikeouts, two homers. At Detroit, uh, Dylan Bundy, zero to ten on the worryometer. I will go eight on him, and like it wasn't this start that causes me to worry. I have been suspicious of this performance anyway. So I, you know, two days ago I probably would have said eight as well. Yeah, I, I can't really disagree with any of that. All right, so that's Dylan Bundy. So you would take Barrios over Bundy. Yes. Yep. Would you take would you, our next guy, Tanner Roark? Tanner Roark or Dylan Bundy? Who would you rather have? Roark and Roto, because I think he's better, but Bundy because of his spark eligibility and points. Yeah. Oh, man, it sounds weird to say you'd prefer Roark and Roto I know. than anybody. Uh, yeah. Because he's such a points league guy. But I expect him to have better ratios than Bundy. Um. Uh, I'd pro I'd probably take Bundy in either case. Actually, just like I don't want to undersell Bundy. Like if if Barrios is on waivers right now, and you know he's probably like eighty five percent owned or something now, so that's a small number of leagues. But just hypothetically, if Barrios is on waivers. I sincerely doubt Bundy's going to be the one I'm dropping for him, just because perceived value is so high. You know? Yeah. Like. If I if I'm forced to drop one of Roark and Bundy today, it's Roark. I feel like there's a better chance of him just going unclaimed. Give me an estimated ERA for Dylan Bundy rest of season. Three point eight five. That's pretty good. I was thinking three seven five. So yeah, we're on the same page. Would you rather have Irvin Santana or Dylan Bundy? Bundy. Yeah. 
Bundy. Julio Toronto is a two-star pitcher, ne- pitcher next week. He is home against Pittsburgh and at San Francisco. Julio Toronto. Starting him. <laughs> yeah, I think for the, with that second matchup and the fact that, you know, there's two of them, you have to do it. And Pittsburgh's got like one and a half major league hitters. And Toronto just put up nine on him. They have one and a half major, so they have Adam Frazier and Josh Harrison, or Josh Bell, I get you, <laughs> right. But not that McCutcheon guy. Alright, let's get to the big news. We did the big, big, big news with Freeman at the top of the show. Here's the rest of the big news. It's not that big. Adrian <laughs> Gonzalez returned to the Dodgers lineup. They had Cody Bellinger in left field. I already told you about the Cubs lineup. Toronto suspended Kevin Pillar two games for what he said, which was awful. And, uh, that two games began yesterday. Trevor Story is beginning a rehab assignment. He's recovering from a shoulder injury. Tyson Ross is making progress. If you are looking for a stash, maybe Tyson Ross. What's your excitement-o-meter on Tyson Ross? It depends on how his stash looks. Is it like one of those that curls up at the end? I don't. I, I can't see excited that. Excited about owning him? No, I can't see that with with Tyson Ross. Uh, he he's going to need a good start before he gets back into my top 100. Ooh, okay. Uh, Yonder Alonso has a sore knee. He is expected to miss a few days. There's no structural damage. Justin Turner is probably DL bound. He heard to say, "Well, I maybe I'm jumping the gun, but it you know it looked bad." Um, Justin Turner hurting his hamstring. Who got picked up in in our 16 team league? Chris Taylor is that guy? Is that the uh, yeah? He's he's been crushing it, and Forsythe's supposed to come off the DL on Sunday or Tuesday next week. So I think everybody probably expected him to stop playing very much, but I don't think he will. Who, Chris Taylor? Yeah, he he'll, he should just play third base. Okay, Chris Taylor, not you know, not a terrible injury replacement. Is that fair to say in a deep league? I mean, I don't have a lot of confidence in his ability just because he's been hot. But he's a six in a sixteen team league. You can that's a hot hand you can write. In a vacuum, who do you like better as an injury replacement? Actually, the first, this guy's not even an injury replacement, but uh, Adam Frazier, who's hot, or uh, Taylor, Chris Taylor. I'll take Frazier. Yeah, long term, I'd take Frazier. Yeah. Okie dokie. James Paxton could be back in two weeks. And is James Pazos the Seattle closer? Yeah, Jerry DePoto, their GM, said, uh, gave some indication that he would be the most logical choice to fill in for Diaz while Diaz is working on his mechanics, uh, which was... News to me. I mean, good strikeout rate out of the bullpen, but he's a left-hander, Pazos is. So, uh, uh, you know, the, every time they frame this situation, it's like while Diaz is working on his mechanics, so I don't know that you need to rush out and add Pazos everywhere. Mm-hmm. But in those leagues where saves are scarce and anybody who could sniff saves needs to be owned, he's now a candidate. I don't know if we've ever talked about the trade that Scott and I made just before Edwin Diaz lost his job. Scott told me about it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh it turned into an Acer trade so far. I guess which so. Is not my intention. I think it was very fair in the beginning, but Jose De Leon is moving up to Triple A. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the trade? Uh it's a dynasty league. And I traded Edwin Diaz for for only three dollars. A very valuable this is a salary contract league as well. Um so Diaz is just on a three dollar contract. I traded him to Scott for Jose De Leon. And Mariners top prospect Tyler O'Neill. Okay. Yeah. If, I mean, I still feel good about the trade if Diaz reclaims the yep. role, but if he doesn't, then it was just completely it was like, gave you two prospects for nothing. It was so, like 10 days before he lost his job. Always dangerous to trade for closers, especially in leagues with long-term ramifications like that. But, I think the Mariners still believe Diaz is their most talented reliever, and I, I think so too. So yep. hopefully that will still prevail. Yeah, it might be a little while. Apparently his mechanics are like really out of whack, but they're working on it with Edwin Diaz. And last night, Nick Vincent pitched in a tie game in the ninth inning at home, and he ended up getting the win. That's usually a spot that the closer pitches in. So even though Pazos was, was mentioned, it's not, I don't know that he's gonna get every Every save chance, or even. Are you saying that you should pause those before you rush out? Probably, (laughs) probably. Uh, All right, so we have so much to talk about, but people always want to know about prospects. So Scott White, who's in the latest prospects report? My top five to stash right now, and and in the column, I don't just do top five to stash. I I do five prospects who 
are doing big things in the minor leagues, but maybe not getting as much attention in fantasy. So, you know, keep an eye. You, you'll want to check out the column too. But the five to stash for right now are uh, are still Yon Makata, number one on the list. Still have Ahmed Rosario. Don't totally buy the Mets story that he's not a candidate to call up if they have any hope. If they have any ambitions of winning this year, they are going to need to make that change pretty soon. He's up to like 360 now at AAA. Okay, that's Ahmed Rosario. And and you, yep. and you still have Mankata, number one, but he's on the DL now. Does that change anything? Oh, man, when did that happen? Last night, I believe. He's on the seven-day DL for the thumb injury. Okay. Well, the, you're breaking news to me, so I don't know the extent of the injury. If it's just a minor day-to-day thing, no, it doesn't really change anything because I don't think his arrival was around the corner anyway. But uh, I'm talking on little information here. So, um, Reese, uh, Reese Hoskins, which, you know, Tommy Joseph has gotten hot in the major leagues. We talked about him as a potential pickup at first base for Freddie Freeman owners. So Reese Hoskins has come into, run into a little bit of a roadblock there. But every week his numbers get better at AAA. And he just looks like a monster hitter in terms of power and plate discipline and hitting for average. Like, I just think he's going to be a stud in fantasy. I don't know when he's going to get called up. It'll be some point this year. I don't know what it's going to take, if it'll be a Joseph injury or another slump or whatever. But you want to keep him close by in leagues where any prospects are worth stashing, Reese Hoskins. Uh, and then rounding out the list, I'll go with Lewis Brinson and uh, Franklin Barreto, who have been on this list a lot and really haven't uh there hasn't been a lot of signs that maybe they're on the verge of getting promoted but there's not a lot of signs for any prospects right now so i think they're still among the closest for me all right i have mancada rosario reese hoskins who else we got lewis brinson and frank limberetto okay and as far as i just didn't hear you because i was looking up the yuan mancada stuff uh so no structural damage or anything like that the mri was clean it's been, I guess, a nagging injury, according to what I'm reading now for him. He's been struggling a little bit lately. So hopefully, you know, a week, two weeks or so of rest for Moncada will do the trick. So that doesn't really change anything. He had been in a three-day slump, something like two for 14 in the last three games. Yeah. So, man, worry city. <laughs> I think well, I had a request on Twitter to say something about how Moncada will not be coming up anytime soon, like I did with Bradley Zimmer. And then Zimmer came up the next day. So <laughs> I would not expect to see Mankata until at least after the all I know. I, he, Zimmer was <laughs> in my top five to stash for a while there, and then I had removed him, and that's when he gets called up. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> way we're seeing Mankata until all the all-star, after the all-star break, and he probably won't be any good then. Sometimes there's just there not go. a lot of forewarning for these things. Even with big prospects, just one day they're getting called up. And you're yeah. like, oh. Very often. Very often I feel like yeah. that happens. All right, we're going streaking, guys. Get excited. Uh, after I tell you a little bit about some more fantasy baseball, I got I got bored last night, and I said I want to play some more fantasy baseball, some daily fantasy baseball. The best daily fantasy app, it's Draft. Download the Draft app. Use our promo code FB today, FB today, for an amazing deal. I'll tell you about that in a bit. Look, you like doing snake drafts. That's why you play fantasy. That's why the Draft app is the best because every night is draft night. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last for just one night, and the drafts themselves, they only take a few minutes to complete. So either play for free or play for money. Your chances of winning money on draft are almost three times better than your chances of winning on FanDuel or DraftKings. Look, everyone I've told about draft has been like, oh, that's a really cool idea. And then they try it, and then they love it. So you should give it a shot. Join me. Download the Draft app now. Search Draft in the App Store. It's going to come up first. Be sure to enter the promo code FB today. When you download, you're going to get a 100% bonus on up to 600 bucks when you deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store and use our promo code FB today. Let's go streaking. Get that image in your head, everyone. Um, have, you, have you guys ever been streaking? <laughs> I have not. Have you? I don't think it counts as streaking. Skinny dipping, yes, but not streaking. Okay, that's really great. Thank you, Heath. <laughs> Victor Martinez. I'm just going to read all five of these names, and you tell me if anyone is uh, moving the needle for you. Victor Martinez, who's about to go on paternity leave, is batting three thirty nine with three home runs, six walks, six strikeouts, and five doubles in his last 16 games. Victor Martinez, 53% owned. 
Tommy Joseph, we've talked about. He homered again. That's four home runs in his last eight games. Hunter Renfro, I think I mentioned him on Monday or, or Tuesday or something. He's made an adjustment. He's not swinging outside the zone. And in his last eight games, he has eight walks, seven strikeouts. He has three home runs. He's hitting well. Hunter Renfro. Tim Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. All right. Last seven games for Tim Anderson. He's batting 464 with uh, two home runs and a steal. And uh, it's Tim Anderson, 34% owned. And then really deep here, Milwaukee second baseman Eric Sogard has been so good. <laughs> uh, 10 for his last 21 with two home runs since being called up. V-Mart, Tommy Joseph, Hunter Renfro, Tim Anderson, Eric Sogood, Sogard. Anything stand out? I think Joseph is the one I'd be most enthusiastic about adding. Um, and then Martinez and Renfro, probably next on that list, but it would be a pretty deep league before I look to them. I'm still, I still can't get excited about Tim Anderson. That walk to strikeout ratio is so bad. 33 to 4. <laughs> 32 games. I, if you're walking that little, you need to be an elite power hitter or base dealer, and he's neither. Yeah, I like. I don't want to say that I think Tim Anderson is can have more fantasy value than any of the other hitters, but those other hitters are eligible positions where I'm not really searching for players. So that's why I get more excited about Tim Anderson because it would be nice if we had a shortstop that yeah actually did something. I mean, as a hot hand play, I could right. But I just I don't think he's going to be a long term solution for you, no matter how bad you are at shortstop. I'm I just worry that um, everybody gets healthy in Milwaukee and Eric Sogard has to play second base for Jonathan VR. Don't even joke about that. But uh, no, I mean like you can't feel great about that if you're a VR owner, even if it's just like an occasional day off or something like that. But I I like Sogard's going to go through an 0 for 16 soon and yeah. be back down. So here comes Eric Sogard MVP. Well, I'm going to try to skip around here in the notes. I want to read... Off Matt Harvey. <laughs> just wanted to point that out. I thought you might like that. What was uh, that stat? One of Sogard's two home runs oh, was off oh, Matt Harvey. So it doesn't really count. He was used to triple. Oh, did you see the three hitters who homered off Julio Tehran yesterday? Uh, one was Stroman, right? And one was the guy who hurt his shoulder on a swing. Yep. His name was... <laughs> Siciliani or whatever. Like Strowman might have been the best hitter. Daryl Siciliani, Luke Bailey, and Marcus Strowman homered off Julio Tarad yesterday. So, oops. Um, yeah. All right. Let me let me read a few emails here, and then after the emails, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do two start pitchers and pick up any other any other scraps here from yesterday. By the way, John Heyman reporting says the Nationals are looking at a lot of closers to trade for Calvin Herrera. Colome, Melanson, AJ Ramos, Roberto Ozuna. He mentioned David Robertson. So, you know, the Nationals, you, I don't know how hard you want to chase the closers on their team because they're probably going to have someone on a different team close for them at some point. I guess I'll give up Herrera for Trey Turner. Uh, there you go. Looking on the bright side. Okay. So this email is from Chris and the subject was y'all play scared. And he says, it's so funny that y'all, Scott and Chris, that's mm. Team Crot. Yeah, Team Crot. Brought up that you'd rather shoot yourself in the foot with inaction rather than proaction. I was just talking to my buddy the night before about how y'all play scared. I flat dropped Alex Bregman in an ESPN 12 team mix league. I mean CBS 12 team mix league. No. Uh, over three weeks ago I dropped Bregman and shake my head every time y'all still bring up his name. Among others, he and Harvey have been sitting on my league's free agents uh, pool for multiple weeks. I'd love to play in the podcast league next year. Maybe I'll bench my entire team during July just to give y'all a chance to catch up once your players turn it around. Y'all play scared, guys. Uh, email I, of the season? This is great. I, I had a little exchange with him. He loves the podcast. I think he said his buddies listened too. Um, he was just kind of like joshing with us, but this was funny. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to begin with a reaction to this. Well, do y'all play scared? Does deserve a reaction? Uh, um, I'm just no, disappointed he so. didn't call you guys yellow bellies. Like, <laughs> I think of it, I think of it, you know, the doc, the, the, the oath that doctors take to, you know, above all, do no harm. Is that the Hippocratic oath? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it's it's a thing. Do no harm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't, 
I'm very careful when it comes to trading. I want to feel confident that I'm winning the trading before I click accept because I don't I don't want to be responsible for my own demise. Um, you know, obviously, if you're desperately trying to catch up because you've gotten off to a bad start or whatever, you do have to take riskier moves. But normally, I'm I don't often find myself in that position, thankfully. So I'm I can afford to play more conservatively. Uh, I don't know that I call it playing scared. I mean, I drop a lot of players before. Yeah, I, this this doesn't like Scott is actually the best at dropping players and and stashing them on the waiver wire, which is what he likes to say. Uh, but as far, as far as like a guy like uh Alex Bregman goes, like if if I were in your league, I'd pick him up right now. You know, yeah, yeah. and he'd have to give you three weeks to catch up. Once he heats up, <laughs> yeah. So it's a long season. It is a long season. So yeah. I don't think stashing guys that you believe in is playing scared. Great email, Chris. It was a good email. So thank you for that. Email today number two is Ben from Spokane. Happy Friday, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, and Freddie Freeman. Those are the war leaders right now. I recently had a trade offer come through of George Springer and Coda Glover for Corey Dickerson. All right, he, so he would get Springer and Coda Glover. For Corey Dickerson, Charlie Morton, and Cody Allen. I instinctively went to click accept, but got to looking at it, I'm starting to question why Springer is regarded so highly, especially without him stealing bases. Is Springer really worth the price tag? Am I missing something obvious? Am I totally crazy for questioning if Dickerson could finish ahead of Springer this year? Springer, by the way, right now is the number 25 outfielder in points, number 23 in Roto. Last year he was number 6 outfielder in points, number 9 in Roto. And the OPS was very similar. Just things will normalize a little bit, um, but uh, I, I think it's a great question. And yeah, he was yeah. one of the most fascinating guys to me going into the year because he basically George Springer basically plate appearances his way to being elite. <laughs> That's my I, take. I'm having a crisis of confidence with George Springer too. He's he remains high in my rankings because I feel like there's low risk with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of. I guess, I guess JD Martinez is similar. In, in the past, Adam Jones has been that kind of player. But I, yeah, I don't think he has this crazy high ceiling. Like, I would guess he finishes outside the top five outfielders, maybe even outside the top ten outfielders, but I'm going to rank him within my top ten because I don't know that he's going to go wrong for you. Dickerson could finish ahead of him. Yeah, but there are a lot more built up reasons for concern with Dickerson, reasons to be skeptical of this performance, then there are that Springer is at least a must-start player. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think it's impossible for Dickerson to finish ahead of him, but it's like a 20, 15% chance, and I would just much rather have the guy that... I, I do think there's a pretty decent chance Springer finishes in the top 10 outfielders, and I think there's very little chance Dickerson does. This is Springer's OPS in, in four seasons, including this year. 804, 826, 815, 824. If you want a little bit of optimism, he's not really hitting lefties that well this year, and the last two seasons he's had like a 940 OPS against lefties. So well, and he's got kind of his strikeout rate down just a little bit. The only reason his batting average isn't higher is because of the 280 BABIP, which he's got a 316 career, so give him a normal BABIP and he's up around 280. He's not going to be a base dealer for you. He uh, said that in the preseason, but... But I just felt like Springer was one of the safest players because he leads off for a great lineup. And he's, like I said, he led the league in plate appearances last year. He's going to play the plate appearance himself to yeah. elite status. Well, I, no, think, that's, I think he's going to hit 35 home runs and score 100 runs too. 35 home runs? That's his I would, current pace. I would take the under on that. Yeah. Well, the 100 runs are, I'm sort of factoring into that to the plate appearances. He is, he is definitively high end, but he's a safe and boring version of high end, I think. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think anyone would have to take <laughs> Springer for Corey Dickerson. Yeah, so. I would. All right, last email here. We'll, um, we'll then read uh, the two-start pitchers for Fantasy Week 8. From Doug in Johnstown, Johnston, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Ten-team categories league. Someone dropped McCutcheon. Would you drop any of these guys for McCutcheon? Trey Turner, Michael Conforto, Andrew Benintendi, Jose Bautista, J.D. Martinez, Eric Thames. Oh, man. Nope. What a joy this league is. Yeah, I'd probably <laughs> drop Bautista. Three outfielder, ten-team league. I don't think I'd drop Bautista because he's like 
this is the hottest he's been all year. He's making me regret that decision I had in the podcast league a couple years ago, claiming Eric Hosmer. A couple weeks ago, yeah. Uh, and, instead of claiming Jose Bautista, because I was just worried with the escalated strikeout rate, Bautista was just aging out of usefulness. But he's, you know, during this hot streak, he hasn't struck out that much. It looks like he's normalizing. And uh, if McCutcheon has already slipped through. I don't know that I'd risk trying to slip Bautista through. Well, thank you for choosing Hosmer over Bautista. I've been reaping the benefits, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I, this is this is what this here is the practical application of what I was saying about Andrew McCutcheon yesterday. He is replaceable because outfield is deep, especially in a three outfielder league, especially in a ten-team three outfielder league. And McCutcheon is not going to be enough of a standout to justify dropping a hot hand like Conforto. Like, if you even think McCutcheon's going to finish with better numbers than Conforto, fine. I get that. I don't agree, but I get it. But you can't, you cannot drop Michael Conforto, who is carrying your team right now, for stinky Andrew McCutcheon, because he's replaceable. Stinky's a little harsh, but I get what you're saying. It's, it's so clear to me just from looking at the peripherals that McCutcheon is underperforming what he should be even this year. So, you know, before you even get to the history of Andrew McCutcheon, it seems a little too dismissive what you're saying, but I I agree outfield is the deepest position right now, and I agree that there's a good chance you have three outfielders on your roster who are more startable than McCutcheon right now. Mm -hmm. 10-team, three-outfielder league, I mean, waiver wire's got to be sick there. Uh, 10-team, three-outfielder league, what you should do is trade like four guys for Mike Trout. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. Well, who's going to accept that? Somebody might. You should well, it doesn't have to be Mike it Trout. It's the Mike Trout owner who would. It doesn't <laughs> have to be Mike it doesn't have to be four outfielders and to be Mike Trout, but you should definitely in a three outfielder 10 team league, yeah. that's a consolidate type of situation. Yeah. Go after um Go after Kluber right now. He's about to come back. Okay. Probably need pitching more. And he's a pretty convincingly high-end pitcher. All right, let's look at two-star pitchers for Fantasy Week 8. Would you have any fear starting Garrett Cole at Coors Field, a.k.a. Atlanta? Uh, at Atlanta? No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to make a joke about, uh, what's the new SunTrust Park? SunTrust Park. Okay. Um, because we trust the balls to hit the sun when they go... Fly balls. Uh, Adam Jones yeah. hit the uh, softest hit home run in baseball uh, of the year so far yesterday. I just want to throw that out there to save me from that terrible joke. What a bad home run. <laughs> yeah, terrible home run. Um, all right, Jason Vargas at the Yankees, at the Indians. Starter sit, Jason Vargas. Start. Start him. And Duffy has the same matchup, so you'll start him. Uh, boy, I just – like Vargas got roughed up by the Yankees, and I totally – like you're starting him. But couldn't you see this be the week that – Jason Vargas destroys his owners. Very well, very yeah. well could be. Yeah. It could be, but sometimes you just gotta cross your fingers. Alright, this is a tough one. I think I'm gonna say sit. Lance Lynn at the Dodgers and at the Rockies. Ooh. Uh, points league, I'd definitely start him. Roto, I might play more conservatively there. I might play you're playing scared. scared so yeah. yeah, I'll play scared. Gonna make me lose my mind. All righty, uh, what do we got? Who's next? Jake Odorizzi. Yeah, you got Angels and at the Twins. Start them, right? Sure, uh, sure. And Alex Cobb. Same matchups. Angels at home, um, Twins on the road. I'm not as trusting of Alex Cobb, but he's, I guess, has some sleeper appeal this week. I'd start him. Shallower leagues. Matt Shoemaker is at Tampa Bay and at Miami, and he's only 78% owned. Must start. Uh, Jared Eikhoff, Colorado and Cincinnati at home. Start him, right? Yep. 70% uh-huh. home. Uh, Matt Harvey, San Diego at home, Pittsburgh on the road. Jeez, Eikhoff was supposed to be a two-star pitcher last week. This is so annoying. Um, <laughs> sorry, who would you just ask about? Who did I ask about? I asked about Matt Harvey, Scott, at home oh. against San Diego and at Pittsburgh. Oh man, those are two good matchups. Oh, come on, Scott. <laughs> I'd probably do it in a point. No! Categories. Scott, how about you, Heath? Would you dare start Matt Harvey at a points league? Uh, I'm not scared of anything. I'll start him. No, that's not true. You're lying. Yeah, I'm probably not starting him. <laughs> uh, Jordan Montgomery, Kansas City, and, and Oakland at home. 
No. I would I would probably no. not. No. No. Patrick Corbin, White Sox at home, Milwaukee on the road. I would definitely. Definitely? He's a sparp. Well, okay, fine. But in our categories, like, all right, I like points leagues, it's easy. You're starting a lot of two-star pitchers. But in, in a, any categories type format, Patrick Corbin, White Sox and Milwaukee. Milwaukee's on the road, White Sox at home. This is the, the level where I would be looking at, uh, like, where I, I am in the standings in certain categories. I'm probably not going out of my way to pick up Corbin for this two-star week. Um, it's let me down a lot the last few weeks. Well, then, uh, one more guy, uh, and then we'll, more than one more guy, but one more guy for now. Amir Garrett, Cleveland at home, Philadelphia on the road. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia. That's a good matchup. Yeah, yes. I don't care. Uh, so no on Amir Garrett, at least for Scott. Is there anyone that you've seen that, that you like? I'm trying to look at the matchups here. Uh, I don't know. I like, I like Armand Marquez on the road, but he's got a home start as well. He's at Philadelphia and home against St. Louis. I I might give that a, a shot. I I like Matt Garza sort of, but Toronto at home, Arizona at home, he could get destroyed. I'm not giving that a shot. Daniel Norris at Houston and at the White Sox. At Houston could be awful for him. I saw Miguel Gonzalez on waivers in one league at Arizona, home against Detroit, and uh, I decided no. Yeah, I I, I did I did the same exact thing. I, that's Miguel Gonzalez. You know, I, every week it feels like the same thing where I just can't get that excited about the two-star pitchers, which is not really a big surprise since can't get excited about a lot of pitchers. <laughs> which either means I need to lower my standards and start someone like Miguel Gonzalez, or I just need to just trust the same guys every week even in their one-start weeks. Um, there are pro- There's probably some truth to both of those, if that makes sense. Not really. Well, <laughs> I think it makes sense. Explain myself then. Like, <clears throat> it's probably a good year for accepting a lower number of starts in a given week because there, you know, the the threshold for quality pitching is so low that you know anyone who's available is probably is at risk of doing a lot of damage. But at the same time, the threshold is so low that we are looking into some of these non-traditional fantasy pitchers. Like, I mean, the most obvious examples are Vargas and Santana, but I, I would say Miguel Gonzalez fits in that category too on, on like a lower-end level of just a guy who's been very reliable but not dominant, you know? Yeah. He doesn't have normal dominance numbers we look for in a trustworthy fantasy pitcher. He still might be one of your best bets if you do need an extra start. All right, good luck, everybody. <laughs> Pitching's fun, huh? Good luck. Um, is there anything fun to end the show with? I got a few more emails we could read. Could always do that, right? Uh, do I have emails? I thought I did. They're in the notes somewhere, guys. Little help here. Oh, yeah, there they I are. Don't see the emails? I got them. I got them. Uh, here's a plug. Two plugs. One, go to sportsline.com right now and take advantage of a great offer, half off. For outstanding advice, uh, like we have a great uh, horse racing guy, sportsline.com. He nails every derby. We got big races coming up, so you want to get on that. They got half off. It's like 50 bucks for a year's subscription for great uh, advice on picks. And um, Scott writes a hitting planner where he gives sleeper hitters. It's actually helped me a lot each of the last two weeks. So even if there's only one hitter that you take out of that, could really help your lineup, and I recommend checking that out. That'll be up over the weekend on the website. Uh, we pretty much out of time, but we could go a little late today. Isaac wants to know, would you drop any of these guys for Matt Harvey? Sean Mania, Drew Pomeranz, Charlie Morton, Jared Eikhoff. Pomeranz. Yep. Alex in Seattle says, Dear Aaron, Jermaine, and Scott. I don't know who they are. Uh, White Sox outfielders when they won the World Series in 2005. Wow. Uh, Scott White. Way to go. Scott knows every Scott. That's how he knew that. <laughs> That's Pudsednik. Yes. Keeper I League. Aaron is. Aaron Rowand. Okay. Oh, wow. Nice. All right, Keeper League. You have a separate category with players within the first three years. That Okay, whatever. Can you rank these four outfielders in terms of projected impact 
A this season and B long term. Go White Sox. Oh, that probably that was a good hint there. I had read the Go White Sox part. Uh, <laughs> rank these players first this year: Benintendi, Domingo Santana, Aaron Altair, Bradley Zimmer. Benintendi, Altair, Zimmer, Santana. And long term, Benintendi, Santana, Altair, Zimmer. How would you rank them long term? I'll move Zimmer ahead of Altair and go Benintendi, Zimmer. Altair Santana. I'm not as quick to put Altair ahead of Santana. I long term or for this year? For this year. Okay, because I had Altair second and Santana fourth for yeah, this year. Yeah, you hate Domingo Santana. You always have. Yeah, it's just kind of a one no player. You Sorry. like Domingo Santana. You always have Heath. No. I, I I I do want to add him in Roto. Grade this trade from Jim Eduardo Nunez for Kevin Gosman. Um, I think I actually like the Nunez side more. I don't know which side Jim is getting. He's getting Gosman. I so I'll I, say D plus. I'd rather have. Is it in Roto? You said I didn't say anything. Doesn't say in Roto. I would say D. I'd agree with the D plus in points. I would say an even C. From Ben, would you drop Nick Castellanos for Travis Shaw? Yes. Yep. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a great, great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. I'm Adam for Heath and Scott and Chris. Why not? See ya.